1: I think one of, the, one of the positive things about being a lawyer is that people act, well, clients actually treat you as consultants.
0: Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds
1: of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now, here's
0: your host, Ronster Pyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster and I am your host. Okay, this episode is quite different because for the past couple of episodes, we've been featuring entrepreneurs and techie people. In this episode, though, it's very different because we're going to be talking to a lawyer. It's a big deviation from the first trend, like what I said. First because when I mentioned in the episode zero that, uh, of course, we're going to be talking to people that are very close to me at first. But this one uh, is unique because we're going to be talking, though it's still going to be business in nature. We're going to be talking about, about things in a very different realm which is law and legalities and whatnot. And our guest today is named Attorney Joseph Acuna. He's a very good friend of mine as well. Joseph is a capital markets lawyer. So what is that? That's what you're going to find out in this episode. And other than that, we're also going to be talking about the hustle that it takes for someone who wants to be a lawyer, all the, hust- the the things that he had to go through to get past law school, to pass the bar exams, and how he got to this point in life already that he's already helping out companies raise millions and millions of pesos to raise capital for their business so stick around and we're gonna have a very fun show only here on the hustle share podcast and we're gonna begin now welcome to the third episode of hustle share uh today's gonna be a very special day Because actually, no, it's supposed to be fourth. My bad. I think it's fourth fourth episode. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm, I'm crazy. Anyway, um, fourth episode of Hustle Share. Today's going to be very special because we have someone who's actually helped me out a lot. Uh, And specifically, uh, he's, he's not out there, out there, but a lot of people... Noam, uh, his name is Joseph Akunya. Joseph, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, hello, hello.
0: Oh, he has very high energy. <laughs> Great energy today, at Joseph. Yeah. So Joseph here is a what? Well, what was? What's the specific? type, a lawyer? What type of lawyer? I'm name? a capital markets lawyer. Capital markets lawyer. Now let's just straight go straight into uh, defining what what is a capital markets lawyer.
1: Well, it. It's basically, a, it's basically a corporate law practice, but we, my practice concentrates more on fundraising for clients, whether it's via debt or via equity. So we deal a lot with startups and even those who want to publicly raise funds. Wow. So, yeah.
0: Okay, so startups and like, this episode is, is going to re- revolve around that because just a little bit of a tidbit on how I met you. Right, uh, and my first, uh, a lifetime ago, which is like, I don't <laughs> know, five, six years ago, um, I met Attorney Joseph through my first startup in uh, in JessList.ph, that's the name. Um, it wasn't incorporated yet. I, I've been doing that for a good three to four years now. I was broke as shit. Um, and then finally, uh, long story short, Kickstart Ventures invested in us. And as a part of the, the deal in that accelerator, um, Kickstart helped us to incorporate. And the lawyer uh, that was assigned
1: to us was you So, long yes. story short, he helped me. You were actually required, I think, to set up because it was very informal during the time. True, true. And
0: yeah. It was the wild,
1: wild west of yeah. startups <laughs> before. And that was 2013. Probably it was 2013, 2014, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, 2013. I remember 2013. Yeah. Six weeks ago, dude. That, was, that was <laughs> felt like it was yesterday. Yeah. So th- that's, that's what it is. So Joseph literally helped me uh, understand what the actual fuck I'm actually getting into. Because for us, it, it, as, as a business owner, or as, as a hustler by default, sometimes we, don't, we only focus on the, the, the grind. But we don't know that somehow, some way, we need to educate ourselves a- in, in, in what we're getting into because we need to, to get better in what we do. So, okay, Joseph, before we start delving into the the stuff, I've never actually, I've known you uh, for a while now. I've never asked you about your story. We always talk about random shit, basketball, <laughs> whatever, and whatnot. But how did you get into wanting to become a lawyer?
1: To be honest, I don't really remember. Um, I think it's too much TV. Um, TV. <laughs> when I was younger, I, 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 I have vague memories of watching... There were two shows when I was younger. It was The Practice Mm. and Ali McBeal. Okay. Of course, I'd tell you about The Practice because, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Ali McBeal is... Why are you watching Ali McBeal as a girl? (laughs) No, but I I grew up in the province. We had local... No, we we had free TV only. We didn't have cable. Yeah. So I was stuck with whatever's on TV, which was Channel 9. I think it was on Channel 9. RPN 9. RPN 9. So I was stuck with that. And I don't know. After graduating high school... Legal management sounded good, and then after legal management, there was you know that was the practical path to take to take where, up law. Okay, when you were in college,
0: you took up college in USD, correct? USD, yes. And then um, you took up college. I guess that was a straight path already. When you took up legal management,
1: is it given that most of the time you're going to end up being a lawyer? Not really. Most of my classmates actually ended up doing something else, but. Mm. During that time, I think you experienced this when you were enrolling or applying in in UST. Mm-hmm. You just look at the name of the course, and then if it sounds good, it's good. So when mine I was mine is totally different. Okay, <laughs> I, I was forced to take whatever because that's the only one <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> have. No, but when 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 I took up legal management, it was more of I thought it was a good pre law. Okay, and then subsequently I found out that it was actually for people who wants to have a legal background while not ending up taking up law.
0: Mm. So you still have that good base
1: but you still have a lot of freedom what you want to do after. Yes. Supposedly that's I I think when they developed legal management they wanted for you know young businessmen to have a basic background of the law. That was the whole premise of it. But somehow because it 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 gets a bit misleading when you Mm -hmm. read it legal management. So you end up taking up law afterwards or you end up taking it with the you know with the intention of taking up law after that so. wow that is great and let's call a spade a spade
0: okay law is not for chumps this is not for people it takes a lot of it's like medicine probably it just take a lot of memorization if you you eat books for a living right so what so after legma is that right? Is that yeah, like legma. Yeah.
1: Shit. I, I sound. I sound legit here. After legma, what? How did you say? All right, I'm gonna do law. Um, actually, when I was in fourth year college already, I started. I started practicing reading. Reading. Like yes. litigation reading. No, like just reading, cause. You know how it is in college, you spend most of your time just sleeping and drinking. I don't and, know about you, but I yeah. was... <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't really studying that much during the time. Okay. Um, so when I was in fourth year, I realized I needed, to, I wanted to take up law, so I started practicing reading. So I started buying random books just to read. Mm. So for me, that was just it. I practiced reading. The memorization stuff, I didn't really okay. do that. Yeah, um, I'm not really that, you know... I'm not really that smart to memorize a bunch of things. Um, so I think it was—I I always thought of myself as an overachiever in that know. way. Yeah. So I just—I can't even say I overworked. I just mm-hmm. worked enough. I Would think. you say it's just general curiosity as well? Not really. Um, okay. When I graduated college, most of my friends actually started working. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to work yet and I didn't want to be a bum. So law school was actually a convenient way to be was a bum. Was there a gap when you... No, I took up law straight, straight out of college, yes. Wow. So it was a good... You know, it's it's a legitimate way to be a bum. You know, you're okay. still getting allowance <laughs> and you have a purpose, yeah. you know, while my friends were already working. Yeah. So it was a good way for me to, to postpone growing up. Because I've seen also people where, you know, after college...
0: They go into corporate or they do something else before they realize that, hey, I wanna do
1: law and whatnot. So you 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 went straight up. I went straight up. Um and I I can't say it was intentional. It was just okay. because I didn't know I didn't have anything else to do at that time Got it. some people because of their you know because of the lack of opportunity they end yeah. up working first yeah. and just going back afterwards yeah. but I mean most of the people I talk to they tell me that once you start working it's hard to go back because you know once you start earning yeah, it's you, correct yeah. and it becomes a habit and that's all they, they
0: call it the rat race right yeah you yeah, know yeah. and once you start getting into the rat race rat race yeah. it's it's tough to go out yeah like personally me whatever what triggered me to be an entrepreneur was, I hated going to work. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not not going to work because I just felt like I can be a master of who I want. I knew that was, not not normal. You know, the longest tenure I've had being an employee was eleven months working for someone else oh, but that's that's quite long also it's yeah I know but I've seen people work 17 years or 18 years from <laughs> the whole fucking life uh, and working in, in, in a company so I knew that was something and I knew that it's not because I'm a bad employee it's just that I wanted to do I wanted to be in control of my own destiny whether I fail or not so okay going back to your story as a lawyer was it a straight line drive was it law is not easy you, we, we hear the horror stories of fraternities yeah. <laughs> uh, terror lawyers
1: <coughs> was it easy for you did you just uh,
0: were, uh, did you transfer to school some, some yes kind of okay, okay so when,
1: I, when, I, when when I actually started law um, the I didn't really know if I wanted to become a lawyer yet during mm-hmm. the time. As I said, I just wanted to have something to do while figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what I told myself during the time was, as long as I keep passing, yeah, I'll push through. So You're alive. Yeah. So, I keep passing somehow. Um, kept surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I reached, I think I was in third year already okay. during the time. Um, I reached third year. I In law school, we have, uh, they call it uh It's, it's. They call it QPI. 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 QPI, I don't really know what it means, but it's an average. Your average grade. QPI. Cute Papa India. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) a bad. (laughs) (laughs) So so we have a QPI requirement, and during my third year, I wasn't able to hit that requirement. It's like a GPA. It's like a GPA. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a quota course of some sort. So I wasn't able to reach the quota. Mm-hmm. so I had to leave mm-hmm. and then during the time I was already in my fourth year yeah that's, that was a tough so it didn't make sense for me to stop because I was already yeah, right there just the yes. one more push yeah. and I wasn't really failing my classes it's just that just I so you wa- didn't make the cut I just didn't say. make the cut so it's I, I think that was one of the motivations during the time was because mm-hmm. I wasn't really failing it was that I wasn't as impressive as I should have been got it so you, that was the chip on your shoulder during the time not really it was more of it was just a waste that I you know my mom already spent X amount of years with me and so after that um, I was supposed to stop because remember as I said earlier Mm -hmm. my my gauge was as long as I keep passing I'll pursue um but during the time it was already in my fourth year I didn't want to push through because I was you know that was the my limit you know Mm -hmm. but then my mom talked to me a a couple of relatives talked to me Mm -hmm. um to just finish it, I mean, so I was already. You, there. you?
0: W- w- would it be fair to say that there was a lot of doubt and just like ah, I don't want to do this anymore? Did that creep in, or were you really determined to
1: like finish the race? Um, during the time, actually, um, d- during the time, uh, it's not that I doubted myself. Um, it wasn't even part of the equation during the time mm-hmm. when I was in third year college. Um. My, we, we, we I, I think I told this to you before. We used to have a chain of banks in the province. Chain of banks? We used to have like okay. seven, eight banks in the province. Wow. And then during that time, everything closed. Oh, fuck. In a span of like four or five months. Is this the financial crisis? During the financial crisis. Wow. Um. So during the time, it was actually taking up law was the least of my concern. I was right. actually concerned about the whole thing. Yeah. Um. I was going back and forth to the province to help them with the it's called bank run. Um. Mm. To the, with a bank run. So, um. That's what that's what I was doing. And mm. when I got kicked out of USD, um, well, I just wanted to go back to the province and try to fix it. Yeah. And that's when my my mom talked to me. My relatives talked to me that you know. I, It's basically them telling me that my life shouldn't be affected by what's happening there. And just push through. Um, So, not that I doubted myself during the time. It was more if I had more important things to do. Got it. That's why I I decided. But you never stopped. Eventually, you finished law school. Yes. And Um, then,
0: of course, we know that that's not the finish line. The finish line is a whole other monster in itself. Yes, yes. Which is the bar exams. yes. Did you once you walk us through this because I've never? I mean, you're the only, you're the first lawyer that I ever knew like this close. What type of hustle does a law student have to go through? Okay, talking about
1: talking about hustle during the time because remember the whole family business closed. Yeah. So during the time, I I actually had to get a bunch of gigs Mm. to pay for law school to, okay. to to pay for review and things like that. Okay. So during the time I was actually doing side gigs as a photographer. Photographer. I was shooting for magazines. This was nice. around 2010, I think, 2011. Nice. I was doing this while I was in fourth year law school up to the time I graduated. Mm-hmm. And I always tell this to people, during my week of the first week of my bar exams, mm-hmm. like 4 or 5 days before, I actually had a shoot. Wow. That I needed to take, otherwise I wouldn't be able to pay off the there's a Shit. there's a bunch wow. of things you have to pay during the time. So that was the side hustle I was I was doing. I Didn't had you to have deal with to review that.
0: and store all that information in your head.
1: Yes. But okay, just a background. Before taking up the bar, you practically studied four years already. So that's I mean, if you studied enough, it should be okay. It should yeah. be a review. I think that's the Problem with most students—they—they they study instead of reviewing. Mm. During my review, I actually reviewed. Got so I—I I, was. You already
0: really... knew these these concepts.
1: Yeah. So stuff. it was more of confirmation. So every time you read, it's more of oh, I heard about that,
0: or like oh, I read about that rather than memorizing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So during that time, it was just me. At, I actually attended review classes. Another thing about bar exam review centers. since nobody mm-hmm. attends Oh, people okay. just go there they get the notes they go to the library or Starbucks or Starbucks <laughs> or whatever <laughs> when I was studying I actually went to the review classes wow. I, it, I sat through the review and I go home and study again and sleep so that was the whole thing um, yes. but yeah with law school it's a different hustle for different people okay. that worked for me during the time at least All right. Thank you for that. Um, We'll take a quick break to discuss a deep
0: dive on what really does Attorney Joseph really do now and how he's helping fellow hustlers achieve their dreams. Back after the break.
1: Ready to pop the question?
0: Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back. Um, We're still with Attorney Joseph Acuna, a capital markets lawyer. Did I say that correctly? I always say capital gains for some reason. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. That's why. Yeah, that's correct. You're taxes people. All right, so um, Attorney Joseph, so you've walked us through how Uh, You hustled as a a law student to to law school, all the way through bar exams. What happened after you passed and how did you get into this career of helping people raise money or funding to what they are? It's just law law by default is very generic. How do you specialize?
1: it was an accident, actually. Um, the first call that I got after passing well aside from friends and relatives was from this law firm. Wow. so what happened was apparently i f- I submitted an application like a few weeks prior to mm. to the results um, and then i I can only assume that they wrote my name down and waited for the results mm-hmm. and then yeah, they just called me and then during the time I was in need of a job. I mean I was just yeah. waiting for the Now results. you now you don't have an excuse. <laughs> yeah. you to be like, ah uh, I'm gonna be a PhD. You'll get a job, Joseph. So <laughs> I got the call, I needed a job, so I just took the job. Um, just to find out later that what actually happens in the real world is after passing the bar you get a couple of calls. I thought that was the Literally. only Yeah, so that I thought that was the only call I'll get. So I said yes in the first uh, call. <laughs> you bit on the first bit. Yeah. And then a couple of days after, I got around three to five more calls. Shit. But you already but said yes. I already said yes. We already agreed on a number. And then I already reported for uh, some kind of uh, an informal interview. Of some How sort. long did you stay in that first gig? I'm still in my first gig right now. Oh, wow. This is my first gig. Yeah. Wow, holy I gosh. never left, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs>
0: How long have you been with your your current law firm now? Um,
1: mm, Since 2012 or 2013, I think. Wow. I think you were one of my first clients Aww. in 2013. If we met in 2013, yeah, you were yeah. probably one of my first clients. Yeah. That is amazing to know. I didn't know that because again, I was to- yeah. a total neophyte, naive. I can I can assume that the reason why I was given your accounts because you were the smaller accounts, and <laughs> wow. I was the youngest in the <laughs> no, anyway, I was the youngest in the firm. Oh. Because now that I'm one of the senior ones, I noticed that the smaller accounts is given to the newbies. Okay, so, okay, got yeah. it. So it's like a test account. Yeah, got it. All right. So, how does one specialize?
0: So you said you're first, and in your firm, you specialize in helping people go IPO and raise funds.
1: Yes, it's okay. Um, most yeah. most lawyers actually. They, without intending to, they end up specializing in something. Um, mm-hmm. In my case, I was almost forced to specialize. Just because the first firm I yeah. you know, I worked at specializes in this field. Okay. Um, and they specifically hired me for a specific fundraising project. Got it. They had I'm the pretty fund... sure
0: you can't disclose
1: what yeah. it was. But so yeah. th- there was a big fundraising project that they were doing. They needed additional help. So they needed additional manpower. Okay. So. And then after that, I realized that I like the job without even knowing that such a practice exists. Because when you're even when you're in law school, it's just litigation or corporate. Although my practice leans towards corporate, yeah. it's a diff. It's a more specific corporate. Because most
0: corporate is revolving or either in-house representing a yeah. company or in a law firm. But yeah. What I like about what you guys already do again, um, not to toot my own horn here, but. Just a little bit of a side note as well. My current company, Chatbot PH, wouldn't have been acquired if not for Joseph's um, recommendation. So I thank him forever Mm -hmm. for that because without that, I wouldn't have met Sterling Paper, Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't have done uh, the deal, which now I'm very thankful for. My team is in the best shape ever and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But again, um, there, going back to how you were able to do that. You, now you, cap, I, you know, you help uh, companies raise funds, yeah. right? How does that work? What are the options of a company, regardless of the size? Say, for example, I'm a small company. Usually, I, I raise seed funding, angel funding. These are the nitty gritties that people need to know. So, if you're a startup founder now, or a small time. As, as you have an SME, you, you don't need to bootstrap many many bootstrap self-fund at all. How can one tap into these types of resources?
1: because that's what people need to know. OK so I usually tell this to clients, the first thing that I can't help with is to have a good business. Okay if that's you have, up to us that's up to you. I can't yeah. really help on that. Um, help with that. So if you have a good business, more or less it's going to be easier for you to look for investors true. Um, in my case uh, from experience um, I noticed that those those clients of mine that you know, started from it's usually the the people that it's usually the founders that investors invest in so it's the person and the team it's the person and the team but usually to be honest it's the person because they don't really meet the team Got right it. it's usually just the investor that you introduce it's the investor that pitches and you know so, for the opportunities, well, even without opening any books, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a business, what's the first thing you do? You usually call your mom, call your dad, call your tita, call your nina. The triple
0: F's. So the triple F's uh, for the, the the for the sake of everyone who's listening, triple F's is friends, families, and fools. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. These are the easiest yeah. sorts of funs. So it's it it usually starts with that. Um, and subsequent to that, you end up going to banks. Yes. Um, now you take a debt. Now you take a However, debt. However, again, going back to our first episode where
0: AcuD bridges that gap, because not everybody can be qualified to to yes.
1: get a debt like that. And then the other popular option is to do 5-6. Actually, going back to the triple F, triple F yeah. as you call it, it doesn't mean that you're always getting money from your friends what's that friends family and fools yes for equity sometimes mm-hmm. you loan it from your mom sometimes you loan it from a rich tita or something yeah so it's it's both ways when you raise funds it's always two ways it's either debt or equity got it so it's just a question of where do you borrow or where do you and you how know much. and how much i mean no where do you borrow meaning do you borrow from angel because you call those basically angel yeah. investors the first right? ones are angels always <laughs> yeah so, or devils if they really have, if you have a <laughs> bad deal right yeah so it, it depends on who you seek funding from mm-hmm. so for startups it's usually angel because you're you know the reason why you're a startup is because you're not really qualified yet yeah so you can't really go to banks And the
0: decision-making yeah. process of an angel is different than a traditional or, or institutional DC because really with an angel Uh, these are high net worth individuals that you know um like i have some cash that i wanna that i'm sitting on i'd rather spend it with a more it also depends on the risk appetite right Uh, on how they want to invest it whether they want to go less risky put it on stocks on bonds and let it sit and make eight percent per annum or you go very risky put it in a startup but you can go 10x in X amount of years.
1: That's why I said earlier that they usually invest in people because if the person is interesting enough, I mean, if you ask me, I'd rather put my money in bonds or in, you yeah. know, in more conservative you know, ve- avenues. But if you like an individual, you have enough cash, yeah. you might as well invest in that person because you know, no matter how good the concept is, no matter how good the business is, if the guy's an asshole, He's an asshole. I mean... <laughs> but I've seen other assholes. <laughs> but, you
0: know, there's, there's always a healthy middle, right? A, a good asshole that's great in business or a nice guy who's a
1: stuck... No, but get. if you're an investor, do you want to do calls with that person? Mm. I mean, can you just imagine your board meetings with that asshole? Oh, shoot. You won't even trust that guy. I mean, yeah. you know, and so... I, I, yeah, I, I totally get it. Now, Joseph,
0: what I want to know, based on your experience, right? What's the best... Uh, option, I guess, for 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 a startup. Because again, you said debt or equity,
1: yeah.
0: right? Um, when when you when you're a small time entrepreneur, right? Do you really have? And you look at the end goal is IPO. IPO when you go in public, the only thing because it's how many tech companies have got IPO? Surepass. I don't know anyone else, right? You know, Surepass always been there, but what are the other options? Is there, is there bonds or what, what Okay, things? just
1: just a caveat. Um, I'm not really a financial person. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a capital markets analyst okay. and, you know, so strictly to law. But okay. from experience, I noticed that I mean, of course, it's, when it, when you talk about structures, you can do bonds, you can do but it really depends on number one the the founder. Okay. I mean, what type of what type of uh, funding does he need? Mm. Because even if you want to go public, you might not be qualified. Mm. Even if you want to raise X amount of money, maybe your cash flow isn't enough. Mm. Or maybe if you want to... Okay, the problem with debt is you need to pay for it. If you don't have enough cash flow, you'll end up just shooting your own foot. True, true. So those are the considerations. That's why it, there's no fixed structure that you can do for for any founder, Got it. so like for example in your case um, you needed you needed the cash flow you needed yep. you needed funding at that time so yep. you needed to be acquired yep. versus if you put up more debt you might not have enough you know runway mm-hmm. with that debt in mind right. yeah you'll, you'll end up you know dying because of that quick fundraising you'll do okay now
0: my last question before we go to another break you've seen a lot of companies come and you know, you've helped them incorporate all the way to the worst part, which is uh, you know they have to liquidate. What are the characteristics of two things I want to ask of a success, what do you see? What do you see are the characteristics of a successful company, and what are the characteristics
1: of a company
0: doomed to fail?
1: Okay. Um, okay. Maybe we should start with number one. As I said earlier, there should be a good business. Okay. If you have a good business, more or less you'd survive, even without fundraising. I mean, a lot of companies survived using the cash flow to, yeah. to expand. Um and of course the founders need to be resilient. I mean, that's one of the things that I mean, when you start a business, you'd you'd have a lot of issues. Bad partners, bad employees. Mm-hmm. You, you know I know the shit. Yeah, I have I have a <laughs> I have a client now whose partner is suing her for estafa wow. and things like that. So You'll end up with a lot of you know, bumps in the road and you have to be resilient. And it's worse than marriage because in marriage,
0: you can always like all right, spread up or at least in the Philippine setting, you can annul. Uh, no. Yeah. In a corporation, you're stuck there forever until you buy them up.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the thing in, I mean, for successful ones, most of them have a good idea. Okay. And then, as I said earlier, good idea is not really enough. So most of them have good founders. Okay. Um, okay, that's the good, that's the poggy stories. Okay. What about um, the hell stories? No, no, no. I mean, there's another side to it. Okay. A lot of successful companies are successful because they have capital. Of course. So, a lot of companies, they don't really have the smartest people behind it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the nicest concept, but they have cash. They're able so, to play the game. So, for they're a long able time. to play. Yeah, you have enough runway to, out, to, to outlast the rest of and them. And make a couple
0: mistakes along the way. and so Yes. Pivot and you can, it out. Actually,
1: you can afford to make mistakes. Okay. That's the problem with the other side of the coin. Wherein, you can't afford to make too much mistakes because you're gonna die. Because you're gonna die. So, I think that's, if, if you ask me, that's the trick there. You need to survive as much as possible figure before out. you run out. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah okay it's going back because I've, I've been
0: through both sides the wins and the losses and sometimes there's more value i mean i hate to say it like this but because it's never fun it's the most gut-wrenching experience i've ever been through probably the the only thing that 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 can is worse in in terms of feeling is death when you're dealing with death but nothing is more painful than closing a business that you've spent time and effort blood and sweat and tears any other liquid in between <laughs> nothing's more gut-wrenching than that um, other than you know having bad partners what are the characteristics that you know maybe other hustlers out there should you know be cautious of? watch out for
1: yeah. um, to be honest sometimes is it's,
0: it's cap table Cap
1: table, like giving too much equity if you're the main guy. Okay, with the cap table, I can't really say that that's an issue. Because at the end of the day, it's your requirement. It's you give out capital not because you want to, but because you have to. Most of the time at least. Of course. So you sell shares because you need the money. So it's a bullet you have to bite. True. True. For those who fail that most of the, my clients that eventually end up failing, um, mm. what I notice is they end up with bad timing. Timing. Timing is a key. I mean that's why I, I mean as much as you have to work hard, you have to pray that everything works out for you, because no matter how hard you work, if the timing is bad, I mean, can you just imagine if you start Chatbot like 10 years ago?
0: <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's very bad timing. Yeah.
1: I mean so at the end of the day it's it's a bit of luck as it's well. It's very
0: true because in the second episode, this the episode before this one, Iba said the same thing. Timing is everything. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're not a vi- you're only a victim of your own game too. But again, say timing out of the thing. Um would you say that So you know, like I said, going back to the cat table reference that I said, right? If you give up too much equity and there's a lot of predatory deals out there, again, depending on the bullet you have to bite. Have you seen scenarios where founders you know jumped the gun too early, gave up too much for too soon,
1: and then down the road they couldn't make the decision that they need to make? Yes, a lot of people actually end up doing that mm-hmm. um, If you ask me uh, the problem is not really on that side of the business, okay the problem I think. And especially with startups. I noticed this with startups. Um, they concentrate too much on the fundraising part of yes. the business. Although, of course, you need funding. But yeah. sometimes you spend too much time fundraising. You end up taking for granted the business side yeah. of and then you it. You get enamored. Of, hey, I missed X amount of million yeah. dollars. And
0: then you realize, hey, I don't have a sustainable business model.
1: Yeah. And you and, you and know, at the end of the day, a Sari Sari store is earning more than you. I mean, oh. can you just imagine that? Yeah. The Sari Sari store is just buying and selling you know candies and stuff and they're earning more than you Um, because I think they, they concentrate on the business and that's one thing that maybe businessmen not just startups businessmen should should take a look at they have to concentrate on what's the business versus you know the cool side of it that you know pitches and you know preparing decks and marketing and things like that on the news yeah so if if you have a good business if you concentrate to improve your business i mean i think you'll end up doing okay all right thank you very much
0: for that uh we'll do another quick bake um and then after this we're going to be doing a deep dive more on attorney joseph's hustle and what what it takes to be a good lawyer, and what it takes to be uh, on his side of the coin. More of that after the break. has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes—all the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax-based stress. All this for as low as five thousand pesos. Again, that's just five thousand pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout. payroll starter monthly five k. Or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your Learn in flexible tenors with hashtag UNOBoost. And we're back for the last part of this uh, episode we're still with attorney Joseph Acuna Um, on this part we're gonna do a deep dive now on on how he does his hustle and what it takes to be a capital markets lawyer I mean just by a, a lawyer by default because it's a totally different ballgame and correct me if I'm wrong but basically law Again, this is very naïve and this is very subjective based on my point of view. This is not a smart opinion or not point of view but law is basically upholding the very truth because there's always three three sides of the coin, right? One side, the other side, and the truth. You're defending one side. So in order to be a good lawyer, what does one have to have to be able to provide and s- stick by what you what you are now, because you've gone a long way, right?
1: And what are the things that you never let go, and what do you live by by default? Okay, in my kind of practice, um, I think that's one of the reasons also why I'm comfortable with the capital markets practice or with the corporate mm-hmm. practice, because there's no there's no. Um, oppositions in my kind in my line of work. Mm-hmm. Usually we do deals. So okay. in in my in most of my situations that I am on one side of the deal, and then there's another lawyer on the other side of the deal. And okay. our roles are usually to just make sure that everything is in order, that you know that your client is protected, yeah. that nobody takes advantage of whoever. Right. It doesn't mean that you have to take advantage of the other side because. You know, that's why sometimes we're called transaction lawyers. Okay. You make sure that the transaction runs smoothly, as smoothly okay. as possible.
0: As smoothly in their favor? Or does it also have to be fair for the other side? Because, you know, sometimes that's what it is. As a as, as businessman, sometimes you can't help the fact that, you know, you got to maximize whatever you can, even if it's lopsided and whatnot. So
1: where does that, how do you balance that out? In... in In my line of work, we rely a lot on relationships. Okay. So, okay, I need to start with that because we don't, well, personally, I don't as much as possible try to ruin relationships even on the opposing side. Because it's a small industry for my practice. So my opposing party today might be my client tomorrow. Yeah. so as much as possible we don't try to take advantage don't, we don't burn bridges yeah not, not just burn bridges but you know as much as possible try not to be a dick about it I mean there are a lot of especially with litigation because it's a very different ball game with litigation yep. they have to be uber aggressive they have to really protect their clients Yeah, in my line of work not really as long you're as not you're, in the
0: line of fire probably.
1: yeah as long as you protect your client you're good okay so in in my line of work Relationship actually matters. Um, one of the disadvantages I have is that I grew up in the province, so I don't have that much network in Manila when I got to Manila. So I'm trying to build as much network as I can today. And how do you hustle for that? Now So you said you came from zero. Yeah. But now you know all these people, and without you, I wouldn't be here yeah. either. And without your help,
0: how did you hustle to that? I mean, of course, it's it's given that it's it's with your work. But I'm pretty sure you you went over and above to build that network
1: yeah okay again I premise this by saying that okay the presumption is most lawyers work hard the presumption is most lawyers know what they're doing yeah and with everything equal I think what I do on top of it is you mean just building relationships so yeah. for example I think you're a perfect example of that um, in that I'm not really responsible in raising funds for you yeah, but you opened right. my door. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is that that's actually beyond what I'm paid to do. Yeah. I'm supposed to drop the the paperwork. I'm supposed to tell you about the structure, but I'm not supposed to start looking for investors for you. True. So those are the small things that, you know, we do or I do at least to build relationships. I okay. mean, imagine we met 2013. You, you know, you were starting your own business. I was starting my practice and... You know who would have thought would be here so it's about relationships I think it's about treating people at least with some some form of respect I mean if you respect people it's yeah. easy to you know so. correct
0: now um, Joseph what are the hacks in order for a lawyer in this up field to succeed because again this is all talking about technicalities you know, you know one false move yeah. can mean a lot of money down the drain so what are your hacks to make sure that you're always on top of your game, to make sure that you know, you're know you're, you you're doing the game right and you're executing top level?
1: Well, hacks. Um, of course, you need to do a lot of readings. Yep. That's a given. Um, and I don't know if a lot of lawyers do this, but I really rely a lot on apps.
0: Apps? Okay. I,
1: I rely... <laughs> Oh, yeah. by the way, Joseph is married, so <laughs> if you see him on Tinder, please screenshot it and send it to his wife. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I heavily... My, my day relies a lot on apps. So, for example, um, I don't know... I'm mean, So, for me, my basic hack is I have data. Okay. That's very basic for me. I don't really... I panic when I go to places where I don't have data or internet connection.
0: Mm-hmm. You need that, to
1: be connected to the world. Like, I need to be connected.
0: So what do you do with these apps? What type of apps are you talking about?
1: So for example, I, I rely heavily on Evernote. Okay. Um, depending on the client, I... With Filipinos, we rely a lot on Viber. Yeah. I have foreign clients who rely a lot on um, WhatsApp. Yep and then the younger ones the we Tele. do no no the other okay. one uh, Kate okay. no uh, Messenger Slack Slack of the course the younger right. ones they I,
0: I don't know why but they no, Slack it's, it's a great collaboration it's, it's in-house mm-hmm. I can't run my team without Slack yeah. Slack is where it's the lifeblood of the team it's your own network it's integrated with everything yeah, it's
1: easy to pass around documents and things yes. like that and stay within a certain topic yeah, yeah. and I, I, I use Asana heavily also okay so for your to do's yeah for the to do's and you you I treat clients as a project okay so it's easy to just far, I mean, to branch out whatever you have to do with Asana nice. And that's just tech.
0: That that's us creeping into you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and of course Microsoft. I get to. I mean, and I was as I was just telling you earlier. I I also have a bunch of cloud. I mean, cloud based stuff. Cloud based stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, huh, what's a, I'm just curious because not all clients are young like us,
0: you mm-hmm. know, or at least be tech savvy. How do you deal with clients who are on the traditional side? Who you know, those those clients who still print email or
1: don't read emails or like <coughs> things in, in, in traditional ways. Yeah, you adapt to it. I mean, you adapt to it. So, for example, I have clients that I have to call after emailing. Mm. I have clients who actually don't even hold their own phone. So, after emailing them, you have to call their secretary to tell them to print what you emailed. I mm. mean, to be honest, even I myself, I have to print things out. Oh. I don't really like reading things. I mean, especially long documents, I don't like reading it um, in my phone or in my laptop so what I usually do is I print it out mm-hmm. I do notes on it and then I have to use Word or whatever afterwards nice. so now okay um,
0: what are how does how does one one, one lawyer or in your field uh, try to get by the obstacles what are the common obstacles that you usually get because I'm pretty sure you, you need a ton of patience in this line of field, you can't be a an impatient guy like you know. Ah, this guy's an idiot and whatnot. Do you literally prepare yourself emotionally and Because you can't drag that. Because technically, majority of the time, we are giving we're consulting you with our problems. Yeah. How,
1: do you, Do you have a rule in like I'm not supposed to bring this shit home and what? Um. Okay. The I think one of the one of the positive things about being a lawyer is that. People act well. Clients actually treat you as consultants. Yeah. So they're a a little bit nicer to you. You know, they're it's it's a lot lighter to deal with clients versus I can imagine with I can just imagine with other types of you know of. Most of the
0: time we call because there's some trouble. There's some trouble.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I can't I can't remember how
0: many times (laughs) I'm like "Uh, Joseph, what do I do with this?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's I I think it's a it depends on the personality as well. I think it's a. I'm gifted with that. I can just absorb things like that. Of course, it gets draining at some times. But with my line of work, it's not... I mean, it's just a deadline that we're trying to catch. Versus I can just imagine surgeons having a different Uh type of problem. So, I mean, I guess it's a matter of perspective. So, I mean, if you think about it that way, that, you know, my my shit is still easier than whatever they're going through. I mean, if I miss a dot, it's, I'm good. If they miss a dot, somebody could die. So Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um,
0: just a couple more questions. Just looking back at motivation. Because, you know, does it, I'm pretty sure at some point it gets boring. It gets old. Anything that has repetitive and whatnot, especially you're dealing with laws and whatnot. Right?
1: What is your why? What, what, what keeps you going on a day-to-day basis? Um, to be honest, I have not really thought about it that much. Um, I don't think of it jor- or prior to whatever project I do. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, you do a project, you do a fundraising, and then you realize that it actually matters what you do. Okay. Like I, 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 like couple of years ago, like two years ago, I raised fund for a for a green development company. And it was one of the smaller fundraising uh, we did. Um, I think it's relatively small. um, Defying small because you're talking about when when you when you say around two hundred twenty million. But (laughs) two hundred twenty million wait, pesos dollars? Pesos. No, but prior to that, I mean prior to that, we were raising. That was the first. SME, it's, an, it's as an SME to 20 it's, it's million. It's classified as Joseph. an SME market, yes. To 20 million. To 20 million. So, no, just, again, <laughs> just to
0: put the first things into perspective, Joseph raises billions
1: sometimes.
0: Joseph. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, when, when we were able to IPO that company, it, I, I somehow realized. Oh, we did IPO. Yeah, we did IPO. Wow. I mean, for IPO perspective, it's relatively small. But still, yeah. that's a whole league of its own. Yes, but no. the The point is that um, prior to doing a project, you don't really think about what the why is. But after doing a project, there every once in a while you feel good that oh, I actually helped this person. Yeah, or yeah, and yeah. you know, I mean, remember earlier I was telling you that you know, running a business is about you know surviving more or trying to outlive the problems that you face as a business yep. so I mean whenever we raise enough cash for them that's a good feeling that you know you help them survive to live another day or to live another year
0: and achieve their dreams the yeah
1: it may not be your dream but at the very least you're helping people do their dream and if their dream is good for the environment or good for the country or whatever I mean it's it has a better you know it leaves a better you taste in your mouth yeah, you sleep better yeah you sleep better that's awesome
0: okay um, lastly uh, just a couple uh, just lighter <clears throat> topics at least there's a new law now mm. and this is very technical as, as a lawyer that very soon here in the Philippines I mean it's been passed right that, yes. that people can now uh, incorporate as a sole director or sole
1: incorporator yeah sole director yeah.
0: how big is that for companies and or first time entrepreneurs or whoever?
1: how how will that change the game um to be honest i think it's just going to be the same um maybe you have more access to it mm-hmm. um but in the philippines it's it's relatively easy to set up a company even when you're required to do five because you always had two three siblings and your parents i mean it's unlike other countries i think that's not really a big problem here yeah. i think the problem here more of is on the regulatory side of it on the expense of it how much yeah. i mean there, it's, it's it's quite expensive you set up a company you have to quarterly pay something with a bir yeah, or yeah, a monthly yeah. file something and Either you learn how to do it or you pay an accountant to do it. So True. there are fixed costs that you have to do when running a business. And I think the way it's set up is it's it's set up a little bit too complicated for you to do it on your own. Yeah. Unlike in other places when you can actually, it's just online, you can do it on your own.
0: Singapore. You know this. Singapore. You know, like, so, uh, for me, I've, I've experienced uh, having a corporation here, my first startup, and then second is like, nope, I am not going through that shh, that pain again, at least immediately. And being on uh, in Singapore, where you can literally incorporate it, corporate overnight. Yeah. That's crazy. Both everything <laughs> seamless. But again, uh,
1: this is a step in the right direction. This this whole thing. Yeah, I think it's, so. I think so. It, it's, I think it becomes more accessible just because you have options. But as as regards it being a game changer, I really don't see it that way. Okay, just more accessible. Yeah. All right. What
0: last question? What are your tips if someone wants to pursue this type of to, of career path to be in in business law per se? Yeah. What what if you were talking to your younger self? What would you,
1: what are the things that we would have said like? All right, don't talk to Ron. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Um well, number one, I think i I should have learned how to write better write better yeah it's um it's something that I took for granted growing up mm-hmm. uh, and number two, working the excel sheet Excel yes, I thought being a lawyer would you know would would help me to run away from whatever number that I have to crunch, but yeah being a corporate lawyer you'd have to learn how to work with the yeah. Excel sheet and I think as a businessman also it's it's a tool that everybody needs to figure out how to you don't to have work. to get the Pythagorean theorem but yeah you but do- you have to know yeah. how to you know it's,
0: it's you know your numbers
1: yeah because I think most of us studied Word more than we studied Excel
0: yeah
1: just because when we were younger it was more practical when doing reports and things like things yeah. like that like you know how to control a Control B and things like that, (laughs) but you don't know how to do summation and things like that in the Excel sheet. Which, if you think about it, it's actually this. It should be on the same level. It's a hard skill. Yeah, that people should have. You shouldn't go out there in the real
0: world without without Excel skills. I I I, I learned that the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's like coding now. Like somehow, someway, you need to learn how to code. Yeah. Because you're gonna have, you're gonna come into a Uh, opportunity where you need to fuck unless you want to do manual fucking calculator shit or an abacus (laughs) right then yeah go ahead what else Uh, well I should have studied harder
1: (laughs) but you you can always correct those mistakes and whatnot yeah you, you can always try to work harder than you know you can try to always work harder
0: Again, thank you very much, Attorney Joseph, for dropping by the Hustle Share podcast. I hope you had
1: fun. Yeah, I had fun. Thank you as well. You did. You do nothing. Like, <laughs> <had fun. laughs> like, yeah, I had fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, thank you very much, and see you guys in the next episode. Peace.